Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you're having a wonderful week so far. I hope you're staying warm. And if you're somewhere where it's warm, well, don't rub it in because it is cold and gloomy here in Middle Tennessee. We don't have sun. We don't have snow. We just have cold. So we're probably not getting out and doing a whole lot with the dogs um, with this weather unless you just love the cold weather. If anybody that knows me knows I hate cold weather, I will be working in my coveralls today and I will be staying warm because I do not like being cold. Uh, but we're gonna be talking about some things that you can do in the house with your dog to help with some mental stimulation and things in this episode. Uh, if you need other ideas for enrichment activities in the house for mental stimulation, check out that episode uh, that we have on enrichment. Uh, we would uh, you know, love to hear any ideas that you guys have. If you have found something fun and exciting for enrichment for your dog, you know, let us know. Uh, I love having new ideas uh, because sometimes, like I said, I get stuck in a box uh, doing kind of the same things that I've been doing daily for months and years. So shoot over any ideas that you have, anything that you have found uh, that has been really good for your dog in the house because you've not been able to get out. Uh, and I do know that many people are getting back down into lockdown uh, so that that's really going to limit where you can go. Uh, so you may be stuck in the house a little bit more uh, than we were back in the spring. Uh, so throw me your ideas. Shoot us an email, info at dogspeak101.com. We are working on a specific podcast email, and we will get that up soon, and we will put that in the show notes um, or on the podcast notes as well. Uh, of course, you can always find anything you need through our website at dogspeak101.com. Uh, before we get started, I want to 
just let you know that we do have our Patreon page set up. It has launched and we would love any support that you can give us just to, you know, kind of help us continue taking the time to do these episodes. Uh, we want to try to educate as many people as we possibly can. And if you're a Patreon member, uh, you get access to some free training videos. You're going to get an opportunity to ask a question um, monthly to me, and we will get those answered. So if you have a training question, you can send those in as a Patreon member, and we will answer those live on the air. Uh, we're also going to be doing some live events. So in January for our Patreon members, we're going to be doing our communication seminar via Zoom. So really excited about that. So please check out the Patreon page and uh, and just let us know if you can support us in any way possible. I know times can be tough, so you know what? Don't worry if you cannot support us monetarily. No worries. Just share our podcast, share the episodes, uh, share it with your friends and your family. And let's try to reach as many people as possible. I would like to educate as many people as I possibly can. Uh, so that's all for the announcements. Now let's get going on the podcast today. So the episode today, we want to talk about choices and why choices are so important. Uh, you know, there's the old training style when I first started out was all about domination, you know, making the dog do what you wanted them to do and following through and being the alpha and the leader. And, and frankly, I was not very nice. Uh, I mean, I was using aversive techniques, choke chains, prong collars. Um, I was really just, I wasn't enjoying myself. I was not enjoying teaching dogs. The dogs were not enjoying spending time with me and learning from me uh, because it was just, it was just so kind of harsh. And, and I remember we didn't, really give our dogs a lot of choices and it only took me about a year of training that way to decide that I did not want to do that and I really thought that I was going to uh, quit dog training and go find something else to do because that was not fun and that was not my personality and then I was introduced to operant conditioning and clicker training which really changed everything uh, now this is not anything new operant conditioning is not new it's been around for quite some time. Um, you know, B.F. Skinner was uh, the big guy in this. And, uh, and then, of course, with Pavlov, uh, learning that we can do condition responses with dogs, it just was opening up to so many things. And, and not only was it being used for dogs, but it was being used for chickens and rabbits and pigeons, um, you know, working dogs, pet dogs, cats, horses, uh, basically anything with a brainstem, uh, you use operant conditioning to train. Well, the biggest thing about operant conditioning and about the training that was taking place was that it all based on choices. So I actually started teaching dogs to have choices uh, early in my career. Uh, so I'm thinking probably around 97, 98. Um, I really started opening up to giving dogs choices and changing the way that I looked at teaching. Um, I was no longer this harshness, pushing butts on floor, pulling legs out from underneath them to make them lay down, stepping on a leash to make them lay down. Uh, it was just, it was a lot more pleasant and I could tell that the dogs were having so much more fun. So this choice training, uh, it took a while for it to really get off the ground. There were only, uh, I'd say handful probably in 
um, just in our section of the United States uh, that was doing clicker training um, and operant conditioning. And I learned from uh, some wonderful people, Mary and Breland Bailey, I was able to learn from her before she passed away, who originally worked with B.F. Skinner. Uh, so it was really fascinating, and I, and I was able to go to a workshop, and I actually trained chickens. And we trained chickens using clicker training, operant conditioning, and we would train these chickens to peck certain shapes, colors. Uh, some were good enough to get their chickens to pull rubber bands, hit ping pong balls, um, and do different things like that. Uh, and it was really fascinating, and it helped me to learn that, you know, these chickens, they had a choice. They could work with us or they could not work with us. We had to make it worthwhile for them to work with us. And I learned a lot during that camp. And training chickens was very fascinating, and they're actually very smart creatures and fairly easy to train. And I got to learn so much more about the process of operant conditioning and B.F. Skinner uh, and the work that he did. And so it was just really fascinating. And so when I started my dog training back, I really wanted to focus more on that choice training and learn as much as I can about that. And so that's where I am 25, 24, 25 years later. Um, I am all about teaching dogs to think and use their brain. Because let's be real, you cannot learn without making choices. You know, someone can tell you, hey, this is the answer to this. This is the answer to that. You know, when we are in school, one plus one equals two. Okay, well, one plus one equals two, great. I know the answer, but why, right? We need to know why. We want to know the whys behind things. Just knowing the answer didn't really help us to learn the other things that we needed to learn beyond one plus one. We had to learn how to problem solve, use our brain, and make choices. And so this is something that is important with any brainstem, any organism that has that brainstem needs to make choices. And if you look at any animal that's in the wild, they're constantly making choices. They make choices whether to go after certain prey. They make choices to hide. They make choices to uh, cross the road. They make choices, uh, you know, that is either going to be beneficial um, for them and their family or, you know, just keeping them safe in general, or they're making choices to help sustain, uh, you know, their life. So choices are constantly made, but when we bring dogs into our domesticated world and we start not making, you know, not allowing them to make choices, we end up with dogs that are kind of neurotic half the time. And if you think about the choices that your dog has during the day, um, how many choices do they have, right? You tell them when they're going to eat. You tell them where they're going to sleep. You're telling them when they're going to get up or go to bed. You're telling them when they can go out to potty, when they can come back in, right? So we're doing so much regimenting of, of their life. What choices are we giving them? You know, do we give them choices on what food they want or when they want to eat? Uh, or do we just think that, no, I'm feeding you and this is the time you need to eat right now? So this is what I want to talk about today is about choices and about teaching your dog how to make choices and how you can let them make choices and what that looks like because you cannot learn without making choices. So one of my favorite examples that I will give to clients is about putting a puzzle together. Now imagine that uh, you're sitting down to do a 500 piece puzzle and maybe you've never done a puzzle before. Well, I've explained the rules to you for the puzzle game and you start picking up pieces and trying to put the puzzle together. 
Well, in the beginning, uh, it may be a little frustrating uh, because it's a lot of pieces, right? So you might get frustrated to where you won't even finish the game because that's too many choices. But let's say I gave you a puzzle that had much fewer puzzle pieces, 50, 100. And every time that you got the right puzzle piece, I told you great job on top of uh, you're starting to see what this picture looks like. And maybe I gave you a dollar. Okay, so there's a choice that you made that the puzzle piece either fits or it doesn't. Well, what if I sat at that puzzle and instead of allowing you to make choices, I just showed you where every piece went. If I said, hey, pick up that piece and put it in the right corner, it goes right there. Well, you can pick that piece up and put it there and you're going to get the same result. You're still going to see what the picture looks like and we're going to accomplish that puzzle. But here's the question. What skills did I teach you in order to work the puzzle to where you can be confident and comfortable doing a 500 piece puzzle? Did I teach you anything or did you just depend on me doing it for you? So that's real similar to what dogs go through. You know, life to them is this puzzle. Unfortunately, they don't have a box to look at to say, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. Instead, all they do is pick up those puzzle pieces and blindly will start trying them. And when we stop them from doing that, we don't give them the skills of life. And you'll end up with a dog who is anxious, lack of confidence, fear issues, phobias. They're not really being the dog that they could be. But if I allow them to try puzzle pieces and the consequences of right puzzle pieces are either they fit or you get something on top of that, or the consequence of a wrong puzzle piece is the fact it just doesn't fit. Not that, oh, wrong puzzle piece, now I'm gonna yell at you and scream at you, but it just doesn't fit, that's the consequence. So we're not gonna make the dog afraid to play the game. Dog is going to start building confidence and learning how to uh, problem solve and learn faster. Because every time you do a puzzle, you're gonna be faster. You're gonna do a little bit better and you're gonna be able to do more and you're gonna be able to have more choices because you have good solid foundation. So when we look at our dogs, if we don't give them that opportunity to pick puzzle pieces up and try them for fear of being uh, yelled at, screamed at, punished for the wrong puzzle piece, we can create a dog who has an absolute uh, self-control, problem-solving skills, has wonderful, um, you know, just self-control in general, but also able to take what they've used and put it in other situations that they've not been able to necessarily train for. Because we can't train for every scenario possible. But if we can give them the foundation of self-control, problem solving, and the ability to learn faster, then there is nothing we can't teach them and there's nothing that they can't possibly do if they are physically able. So, you know, giving choices is huge. Now, Let's talk about some of the choices that you could be doing with your dog right now, okay? Um, just as an example, and, and I really just want to throw out one or two and then we'll come back to it. But I want, you, I want to get you thinking about it. So many people will ask their dog to sit to get a leash put on or sit at a door. Let's just stick with the leash. So people will ask their dog to sit to get their leash put on. My question to owners are why? Why do you want your dog to sit to get a leash put on? 
Is it not just as easy to hook a leash if the dog is standing? And then they look at me and they think, well, what do you mean? I'm just making them do something to show self-control and to earn the leash. But here's my question to them. What is the difference between sitting and standing? If the dog is sitting still versus standing still, what's the difference? If we allow the dog to make the choice of sitting or standing still, are you not still getting what you're looking for, which is self-control, but you've done it in a way that's allowed the dog to make a choice, which in turn creates self-control and confidence. So think about that. Do you ask your dog to sit before putting a leash on? All right, why? Why do you make them sit? What's the point? Why not just let them make a decision? What you're looking for is controlled excitement and let them make a decision if they want to sit, stand, whatever. As long as you're still getting that controlled excitement, that's really all you need to do. These are simple little things that you can give your dog the opportunity to make choices. So another one that I see a lot of people is that they want to play fetch with their dog. And then they get mad because the dog chases the ball, but they won't bring it back. And they get mad at the dog because the dog won't play fetch. And they ask me all the time, how do I get my dog to play fetch? And the fact of the matter is, if your dog doesn't want to play fetch, why are you forcing them to play fetch? Why are you forcing them to play a game that they don't enjoy? Right? Give them a choice. Play fetch, tug. Do you want to just sniff? Do you want to play chase? What do you want to do? Why do we not give the dog the choice to play with you the way that they would like to play and that is beneficial to them? Why are we forcing them to do something they don't? want to do? Why am I going to force my dog to play fetch if they don't like it? Why am I going to get mad at my dog for not bringing the ball back because they don't want to play my game? This makes no sense, does it? When we start talking about it this way, we think, well, you know what? We wouldn't do that. You know, we wouldn't do that to a child. We wouldn't say, look, you're either going to play Monopoly with me or I'm not playing at all. Instead of, we look at the child and go, what game would you like to play today? Monopoly, shoots and ladders, operation what you know so we give children choices why do we not do that with our dogs why do we not put two toys in our hand one a tug one a ball and say which one would you like to play with today and give that dog an opportunity to have some control over its life we so want our dogs to be so good and so well behaved and, and so well fitted in our life, but we don't give them the skills they need to do it. And it's, it's frustrating for the dog. It's frustrating to say, look, you want to interact with me, but the only thing you want to do is throw the ball on me, bring it back to you, which is not fun for me because I don't enjoy that. So what, what are you doing with your relationship? Are you building up on your relationship or are you decreasing that relationship strength because you're trying to force the dog to do something the dog doesn't want to do. So when we talk about choices, choices all the time, choices basically giving the dog an opportunity to make choices to work with me. I never force a dog to work with me. If a dog doesn't want to work with me, then I know I'm not doing something right, right? Or does the dog just not feel well? This dog not in the mood to do the things I'm asking? So I have to look at that. I don't automatically say, well, you know what? You're going to work with me. No, I want the dog to make a choice. Right? I want the dog to learn how to use his own brain and be able to say yes or no. 
be able to uh, make those choices themselves and trust that I will honor and respect those. So, you know, another few little things that, that I see a lot of people do with choices um, where they want to take their dog for a walk. And the dog loves the walk. They really enjoy the walk. But the dog is maybe being um, walked on a harness or maybe using a collar. I don't know, but I'm going to go with harness because a lot of my clients do complain that their dog hates the harness. And so they tell me, hey, you know, my dog, every time I get the harness out, he starts to, you know, he wants to go for a walk, but he runs and doesn't want to put the harness on. And we should look at that and say, okay, we're not giving this dog a choice. I mean, he's telling us what he prefers, but yet we're forcing him to walk on a harness that he does not like. Now, there could be a lot of reasons he doesn't like it. That's not what we're going to get into today. It doesn't matter what his choice is or the reasoning behind it. The fact of the matter is he hates the harness. So what you do is you continue to press and put the harness on and walk the dog and the dog is miserable. Instead of allowing the dog to make a choice, hey buddy, would you like the harness or a collar? What's more comfortable for you? Collar, okay, you pull pretty bad in a collar, which is why I went to the harness to start with. But you like, you know, you like the collar more, so I'm actually going to work on your walking skills. I'm going to learn how to walk you properly so that we can work together as a team instead of just putting a harness on you because I don't want to teach you how to walk. Even though you hate the harness, I'm going to do it anyway just to get your, you know, get your exercise. Why do we do that? Why are we lazy and not wanting to teach our dogs how to walk nicely and instead forcing them to wear something that's uncomfortable, that they don't like, that they see as an aversive, just to get the exercise. So these are the things that we need to be thinking about on a regular basis. We would be able to change our relationship with our dog if we start giving them opportunities to make choices, right? And, and that's, again, in everything. It can be in your regular everyday routine. It could be through um, hand feeding exercise, which we've talked about several times on our episodes about just sitting down and letting your dog make choices to earn the verbal marker to earn his food. This gives them a chance to put that puzzle together, right? And another thing with choices is that dogs don't know if something works unless they try it. So counter surfing is probably one of the best examples of this. Dogs don't know if there's anything good on a counter, if counter surfing will actually uh, get them any type of reward, but they have to try it to find out. If we don't allow them to try, they're going to continue doing it, mostly when we're not in the room. Let me give you an example in human form. And, and we, I do this all the time, and I know better, and then I watch a lot of people do it all the time. Um, let's just say that you come home, your significant other says, the light in the bedroom is out. And, you know, me, I'd be like, what do you mean it's out? <laughs> to me, that, that makes pretty good sense. When I say the light is out, it means it's not on, right? So you go in and they say, the light's out. I've, I've hit the switch up and down, but nothing's happening. I've changed the bulb, nothing's happening. I think the switch is messed up. So what do you do? I'm gonna give you a second, think about it. What do you do? I know what I do. I walk into the bedroom and I hit the switch up and down like five times. 
Just thinking that one of those magic ones, it's going to turn back on. My magic finger is going to make it work. Now, I know most of you are laughing right now because you do it and you've done it. Somebody told you I have hit the switch up and down and the light won't come on. But instead of believing them, you go and try it yourself. Now, we're supposed to be smarter than dogs. And yet, we still do that. So, I can tell a dog, don't countersurf. There's nothing for you. But the dog's still going to countersurf because, well, I don't believe you. But if I allow the dog to countersurf, and every time the dog countersurfs, he gets zero out of ten times of a reward. So there's zero rewards to ten tries. I'm eventually not going to have to worry about him countersurfing ever again. Now, if he countersurfs and gets two rewards out of ten, he's still going to countersurf. If I stop him from countersurfing every time I'm in the room, I'm saying basically that doesn't work. And he's going to say, yeah, well, I'm going to wait till you're out of the room. And then I'm going to try it. Just like if I try to stop you from picking up a puzzle piece. And I'm telling you that puzzle piece does not fit. Don't try that. That does not fit. I stop you six times in a row. That does not. Don't try that. As soon as I walk out of the room, you're picking that puzzle piece up and you're going to try it. So you see, when dogs make choices, they... Some choices are going to be good. Some choices are not going to be good. But they don't know. They just know, does it work or does it not work? Does it get me something or does it not? But they're not afraid to make the choice. And that is crucial that we allow dogs the ability to make the choices, have the brain power to do so, have the self-control to do so. So when you are just interacting with your dog on a regular basis, it's time to start giving them opportunities to make choices. Right? So another thing that, that you want to try to understand is that everything that the dog does is either in that self-rewarding or non-self-rewarding category. Um, and really every behavior kind of fits in this neutral category of does it work or does it not. Now something like sit, that's going to work for them personally, but let's talk about just behaviors that will get an external response. So everything fits in a neutral category. Like, let's just say sit and down, uh, paw raise, barking. Those are all neutral, jumping neutral. So if the dog tries, let's say jumping, and it works, then it moves one spot over towards the category of it works. If jumping does not work, if the first time the dog jumps, it does not work, we get moved over to the it does not work category. And over time, this neutral behavior moves over into one of the categories. Other, either it works or it does not work. And it's up to you to decide what that looks like. But now if you've allowed jumping to work and it's all the way over into the it works category and it's solidified there, it's going to take some time to desolidify that to move it back into the neutral. Then once it's in the neutral, now you've got to start moving it into the it does not work category. And that's what choices are all about. Letting the dog try something to see if it's going to get any type of external response. Okay, so a few other things that you can do throughout time for making choices. Um, one would be the collar versus the harness, right? Ask your dog which one he wants. How about when you take your dog out for the walk, you go to the end of your driveway and you let the dog make a choice which direction he wants to go in. Right? doesn't mean he has to pull you and yank you. I'm not 
I'm not encouraging that, but you can allow a dog to make choices on leash and still not be pulled down the block. Allow the dog to decide if he wants to do a brisk walk, a slow walk, or a sniffy walk. I mean, are you walking him for you or are you walking him for him? If it's a little bit of both, then you have to come up with some compromises and decide that, okay, I'm gonna let you decide which direction we go and I'm gonna decide the pace. So you see, you can work as a team like that. Um, another one, like I talked about with, with play, do you want to just go sniff in the backyard? Would you rather tug or would you rather fetch? Do you want to play chase? Would you rather just play with the other dog and not me? What is your choice today for play? Some days my dog loves to tug. Some days my dog loves to fetch. Some days my dog just wants to go sniff. Some days my dog wants to go to the farm and just chase birds, right? So it's giving the dog the opportunity to make those choices to sit or to stand to get the leash put on does it really matter you're not showing that you are in charge by making your dog sit to put the leash on right asking the dog just to sit is not kind of putting you in that leadership role it's about setting the expectations of saying look I want you to have controlled excitement. In other words, I don't want you jumping, barking, and dancing while I'm trying to hook you up to your leash. So I'd like you to have controlled excitement. So that's the expectation I have is controlled excitement. I'm going to let you choose what that looks like to you. And you're giving the dog some responsibility. And you'll be amazed that when you start to give your dog choices, how much more you're going to understand their personality. How much you're going to understand more about them. You're going to get to know them on a different level. It changes everything. You know, there are also times of when people are training their dogs and they're working on something like reactivity. That involves emotion, right? The dog is maybe triggered every time it sees another dog and it's triggered out of fear. Well, we need to give that dog the choice of how to handle that. I see a lot of training techniques where people are forcing their dogs to look at the trigger and then possibly look away, but to look at the trigger in order to earn a reward. Look at the trigger and not react. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to control the emotions there. I don't ever want to force my dog that's fearful to look at something that is fearful to them. I want them to make a choice. I want to put them in a situation where they can make the choice to look away, to use natural calming signals. I'm not going to force them to look at something that makes them nervous. They need to make that choice themselves, but I need to limit the options, put them in a situation where they can make a good choice. So if my dog is triggered at 20 yards and he starts barking and having a fit, then I'm going to stay at 21 yards or 22 yards. And I'm going to start rewarding the dog for making good choices that has anything to do with behavior that I'd rather have other than just the barking at them. I don't care if they're sniffing the ground, looking away, sitting to me. Um, maybe they're stopping to scratch. I don't care. I don't care what choice they make as long as it's not the reactivity because I've got to fix the emotion. I've got to allow them to tap into their emotions. Right? When we force a dog to be petted by someone, that is not appropriate. We're not giving the dog a choice. I 
give the dog permission to go greet, the dog has the choice to do that or not. Just because I told him to go greet doesn't mean he has to go do that. I'm giving him the choice. I'm saying, look, I'm giving you permission to do that, but you still get to decide. And when you do that, the dog will start to trust you more, start to relax more, won't be as afraid to be in situations that they're unsure of because we've allowed them the opportunity to make choices and they know that we are going to respect that. I have a client who has a really fearful dog and this dog is a semi-feral dog so it's never really had a real relationship with a human and she was getting this dog out and walking it up and down the driveway and um, great exercise but the dog when I went over to watch this the dog started showing signs of stress a quarter of the way up the driveway and in her mind it was well we're just going to keep walking and the dog will see that it's fine I'm okay everything's fine nothing's wrong I've got to get this dog's exercise but what I saw is this dog started really stressing out and so continuing to walk when this dog is stressed out we're, we're actually reinforcing that fear making it worse what we want to do, though, is see that that dog is starting to see that emotion and then make, you know, give them the choice. Do you want to keep walking or do you want to go back? And if they want to go back, we need to go back. We need to not keep forcing them. That's how we build that trust up. And so now if she takes this dog for a walk, this dog is going to feel more confident to know that if the dog is uncomfortable and it looks at the owner and says, I'm uncomfortable and wants to go back to the house, she's going to respect that and take the dog back to the house. That's how that relationship is going to build. And that's how we're going to actually start getting more confidence from this dog to where the dog is going to start being able to make it to the end of the driveway and back without stressing out. Now, there are a lot of times you need to limit the options that your dog has for choices because too many choices is that's overwhelming. So think about that puzzle of a thousand pieces versus a puzzle of 25 pieces. It's a lot easier, right? It's not so overwhelming. The best example I have for this is when, when Brittany asked me, where do you want to eat dinner? You know, where do you want to eat? Or what do you want to eat? All right, this, I say, where do you want to go to eat? This was pre-COVID. Um, but she asked me, you know, what do you want for dinner? Well, I'm like, I don't know. There are so many choices. I don't know. But if she says, do you want meatloaf, um, chicken and rice, or chili? Now, if she gives me just three choices, I can pick one of those three. And I'm a lot more confident with it, and I'm a lot faster. But when she just says, what do you want for dinner? Whew, that's too many choices. I get stressed out. I don't want to have to think about all that. So really, less choices are much less stressful for the dog, for the human. Right? So when you start out, just give your dog limited choices. Right? So I have a dog on a leash. I give them the choice to either try to go after the other dog or not go after the other dog. Okay, dog's on a leash, starting to start pulling towards the other dog. That's the choice they made, but I'm not gonna let it work, so I just stand there. And then I want them to change that choice to try something else because that one's not working. Because not every choice is going to work, but I can guarantee you that choices are not going to be punished. Wrong choices should never be punished. You punish wrong choices, you're going to make them afraid to make the right choices, you're going to make them afraid to learn, and you're going to damage the relationship, and you're going to uh, really inhibit their ability to reach their full potential in their personality, in their behavior. So you have to give them the ability to think and use their brain.
You know, if you have a dog, you take him for a walk and all of a sudden he just stops walking. Do we drag him? Or do we stop and say, okay, why? Why are we um, not wanting to walk? Why is the dog not wanting to walk? Is the dog scared? Is the dog physically hurting? What's the case? All right, so we really want to look at it a little bit more. Instead of just automatically assuming your dog's being a jerk, automatically assuming your dog is trying to be dominant or the alpha, which is crap. Please throw that crap away. Your dog is not trying to dominate you or be alpha. That's just crap, right? So you need to look at it. Look at it and look deep into it, right? Your dog is trying to communicate with you. Give them the ability to communicate and make those choices. All right, so if you've not done this before, doing the hand feeding exercise is great because it allows the dog to make choices and decide what he wants to do to try to get you to say those magic words. Um, and the hand feeding is great uh, because it's good mental stimulation as well. We do want mental stimulation for the dog. That's the only way to really wear them out is that mental stimulation. All right, so I know you're probably asking, well, Nikki, what happens if you tell your dog to come and the dog doesn't want to come and they're making the choice to not come? What do you do? Well, if I do need the dog to come to me, then I'm going to go get the dog. And then I'm going to say, okay, next time, I'm going to put the dog on a long leash so that I can make sure I'm teaching the dog what I want when I say come. I'm going to make it really worthwhile and rewarding. Right? If the dog, I'm trying to call the dog out of play to come to me to earn a treat or just a pet or just to be hooked up and, you know, taken away, that's not going to be it. But if I call my dog out of play and then we play a quick game of tug and then I send the dog back to play with his buddy, I'm going to have a lot bigger chance to get my dog to come the next time I call him. But of course, we don't make our dog make those choices until we teach them what we expect. I guarantee you that the 90% of the people that tell me their dog knows what come means do not know what come means because we use it differently. All right, people say, come on, come in, come inside. All right, and then they say, come. And the other two times, the dog was just supposed to come in and go past them or come close. And then the one time we want them to come to us, they don't, and we get mad. We've not taught them. All right, so we got to make sure that we're teaching the dogs what we want, limiting their options, giving them a, the best chance to make a decision, and it either works or it doesn't. They're not being punished. They're not being aversively, you know, punished, not screaming and yelling and hitting and, and punching and leash pops and all of this crap that you don't need. All right, you don't need a, a shock collar or an e-collar on your dog if you just teach them how to not deal with distractions. Putting a dog out in the woods off leash, knowing that the chances of them not coming are only, you know, or like 95%, but I'm going to put a shock collar on them because that's easier for me, is not appropriate. Because then what we're doing is punishing the choice that we gave the dog, but we gave the dog 5,000 choices. So I've let this one go a little bit longer than I was planning on it, but I'm passionate about this. Because I think that if we just can get our heads wrapped around choices and how learning happens the relationship between people and their dogs and the behavior will be so much better like i said i've been teaching choice training uh 
for 24 years. It's just now really getting huge. You know, people really talking about it. But it's been going on for, for quite some time. You know, think about dolphin training. You got to give dolphins choices. Now, granted, they're limited because they are in captivity. But you can't make a dolphin work with you. You can give them choices. And then you know if you give your dog choice and your dog chooses to be with you and your dog chooses to work with you, you're doing something right. You're doing something right. But when you give your dog a choice to either work with you or go sniff something else and they go sniff something else consistently, you're not doing something right. You need to think about it. Look at the relationship and see what's happening. All right, so that's my rant for today. Um, I would love to get into this a lot more, and I think that we're going to put together a new hand-feeding video for our Patreon members uh, that we'll be putting up this month. Um, I just need to, I've got to have, um, I've got to have some time to be able to do that, and I'm going to try to maybe borrow somebody's puppy, because uh, mine are really good at it already, so I'd like to try a new dog. Um, actually, my neighbor has a great new puppy, um, who's, I guess, a year now uh lou lulu um and maybe i'll get a video of them but i do want to show you that video and, and watch that hand feeding because it really is um, a great way to teach your dog to make choices but like i said you can simply give your dog an opportunity to make choices of hey do you need to go potty do you want to go outside if the dog says yes great if the dog says no okay we'll try again later which way would you like to walk would you like to wear this collar today or this collar today I literally used to give my Roddy, my middle Roddy, Tiba, I would give her choices of collars. I would pick out three collars that I was in the mood for her to wear, and I would set them out on the ground, and I would let her pick which collar she wanted to wear. And it was really cute. And you can do this. You can do that with your dog. You can do it with treats. Take two treats. Let the dog sniff in both hands, close it, and say, choose. Right? And wherever the dog's nose goes to first, Whatever hand, open it and give that dog a treat. That treat. Right? So it's those little things of giving your dog opportunities to make some choices. All right. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. I hope you do check out the Patreon page um, and, you know, try to get that built up. And if you can't monetarily um, support us right now, that is okay, guys. It really is. But get, get this out for us, right? Tell your friends and your family. Share it with everyone you know. I know you guys have Facebook pages. Put it on there. Share it with everyone. Also, if you are listening to this anywhere where you can leave a review, please review it because the more that you review and rate us, then it starts popping up on other people's feeds, especially when they are searching for dog training and positive dog training. So that is one way that you really can help us out. Um, if you have questions, um, or you have ideas for an episode, please uh, send us an email, info at dogspeak101.com. Um, we would love to hear from you. We really would. And uh, we, again, appreciate the fact that if you just share this podcast and share this episode, if you cannot monetarily support, that is okay. Um, and we do have some new merchandise on our website, dogspeak101.com. We have some wonderful things coming up in January. Uh, December is kind of quiet as far as group classes and seminars and workshops, uh, but January we'll, we'll be kind of busy, uh, so we'll be doing that. So make sure you sign up for our newsletter, like us on our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram. We're trying to use that more. Um, just I'm trying, I'm trying to do better at my social media stuff. 
Um, it's just been a little difficult, but um, I do appreciate each and every one of you. And I hope you guys really sit back and look at the opportunities that you have to allow your dog to make choices and help them to learn to be responsible for their behavior and to build confidence and give you an opportunity to see what their real personality is like and stop forcing them into doing something that you think they should be enjoying, like fetch. All right, guys, love you much. Appreciate you. Have a wonderful day.